0: Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you." The Lord spoke that through the prophet Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. It's an amazing promise that I cling to and that propels me in my life and it is the focus of this podcast, the Gaining Strength podcast. Welcome to our podcast today, and we pray that you will find strength in the midst of what you hear this day. God bless you. I'd like to, to welcome Eric Miller to the Gaining Strength podcast today, and, and listeners, you're in for a, a real treat. This is a special episode. I've known uh, Eric for, gosh, close to 20 years, I think. I first met him when he uh, came to Dagsburg Church of God to minister back in, I think it was the early 2000s, but Eric, Eric, I had, I had heard of you prior to that because your brother Louie married a former student of mine, and so I had heard about, I had heard about you from, from Michelle, but uh, why don't you, why don't you greet our listeners and then we'll
1: get started. Hey everyone, it's an honor to be with you today, Cheryl and to come and just talk about what the Lord's doing in our lives. And, and we're excited. You know, we, as you said, we've known each other for a while now and we're just so amazed how God's using you as well. Well, bless the Lord. It's that's, that's the life, isn't it? That's it.
0: (laughs) Glorifying Jesus. Well, I want to tell our listeners, Eric and his wife, Casey, they, they've been missionaries in the Philippines for quite some time. They, They uh, serve with Fire International. Um, But, Eric, I would like you to tell our listeners, share with them about how you and Casey ended up becoming missionaries. And now you've got a team of five children serving with you as well as as the other people that you've impacted. And I I really want the listeners to hear your voice more than mine. So, So go ahead and share with us how that all came to be.
1: Yeah, sure. So I grew up in New York, upstate New York, about an hour north of New York City. First heard the gospel when I was 14. Presbyterian pastor who was baptized in the Holy Ghost, knocked on the door of our house for every week for one year. (laughs) And he planted seeds. And, you know, we were going to church. I was part of the youth group. But, you know, I had a lot of secret sin in my life. And, you know, a real struggle with with just lust and anger and things like that. And, you know, we, we kind of think that when Jesus saves people, you know, it's the drug addicts, it's the prostitutes, it's the really bad people. And, you know, until we see our sin in the light of what Jesus has done for us, you know, it doesn't become real to us, I think. And I prayed prayers to receive Jesus and was doing the church thing. And even, moved to Delaware and became the youth pastor to Dagsboro Church of God. And it was, it was an incredible time, you know, that I got there and there's maybe 15 teenagers in the youth group, maybe a hundred people in the church with the pastors who were there at the time. And within, I would guess maybe three years, you know, we had 75, 80 teenagers in the youth group and the church grew close to about 500. We did all kinds of special events and, well-known things in the community, but, you know, honestly, Cheryl, my heart was not fully surrendered to the Lord. I, as I said, I was really struggling with sin, with uh, pornography, and I knew that it was wrong. I was living in conviction all the time. I lived that, you know, I call it the roller coaster life, where we're up and down in our relationship with God, but that's not really how that, that doesn't really honor the blood of Jesus and what he shed for us. Amen. And so I, you know, I had accountability partners. I was going to Christian psychologists, all this stuff. I was going through the bondage breaker, different books, doing whatever I can to get free and nothing changed. I was still living this way. And even though we had success on the outside, there was no doubt that I knew I needed to get right with God Sometimes you get to a place where you, you realize you need to surrender, but
0: you don't know how to get yourself there. It's like you yeah you don't know how to to
1: you don't know how to be broken. I don't know. Absolutely, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. You know, I would I even put it like this. You know, I was a slave to sin. Yeah, and I wanted to call myself a son because I prayed the prayer, I went to church, I paid tithes, did all that stuff, but that's not real sonship. If we're not freedom, we can't be slaves, you yeah. know, if we're gonna be sons. So, uh, and daughters. And so anyhow, I tell the pastor, I'm like, look, I you know, I just got married. I thought marriage would change all this, and it and it really didn't, you know, the only one who could set us free is Jesus. And I went to him, repented, and he and the elders met with me and said, Look, you know, would you be willing to go in front of the church and just you know, share, you were a leader in the church, and I had no problem with that. I don't, I'm not saying everybody has to do stuff like that, but I did it. And when I stood in front of the church in August of 1997, I repented in front of close 500 people. A lot of the young people were there, and nobody knew that was coming, and it was a shocker, I think, to a lot of people, and it was painful because they trusted me. Yeah. And when I walked down the middle of the aisle to meet my wife at the back door after sharing, I literally walked down the aisle and felt like chains with hooks in my flesh were just ripped off of me.
0: Power of you confession, know? power of humility, power oh, of... Oh man, Yeah.
1: no doubt. It, it was real repentance, you know? Yeah. And, and so I got to the back door and I said to Casey, I said, look, I didn't know if she would even trust me you know she couldn't trust me up to this point we've only been married nine months eight months yeah and I said I said case I don't know what just happened but I know I'm free
0: yeah
1: it was it was an incredible time for the next year we went through a year of restoration with the denomination we were with and I just did whatever they asked me to do I find a lot of people are not willing to go through those things a lot of times because You know, they allow their victimized mentality, you know, their hurt, their unforgiveness, their bitterness, all that to dictate their freedom. And I I said, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. I have no idea what's next. I'm giving up everything. And I went for it. And I want to tell you, it was hard. If we were in that small town in lower Delaware, everybody knows everybody and knows what's going on. Yeah shameful my parents were still at the church you know it was tough and you'd see people around how you guys doing we really miss you blah 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 but then I'll tell you this man I started to grow in intimacy with Jesus like I never thought yeah you know before all this happened I would do my devotions every day because that's what you're supposed to do but I didn't do it because I got to do it I did it because I had to do it
0: checking off the duty list
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so when one day I was in prayer and I, and do my devotions, I felt like the Lord said, Eric, you know how to pray as a minister, but you don't know how to pray as a son. Mm. And that really hit me between the eyes. So once I started getting right with God, going through this restoration, I'm going to tell you, man, it was an amazing time that God drew my heart close to him, started to heal our marriage and eventually led up to us moving to Pensacola, Florida.
0: Yeah, and then when you got there, huge things happened, right?
1: Big Oh, yeah. We we came to the what was called the Brownsville or Pensacola Revival. Yeah, the the revival started on Father's Day of 1995 okay. and went to about 2000. Okay. They say something like four and a half million people came through the doors of that church wow. from all kinds of different nations, uh, no advertisement. People just showed up by word of mouth yeah. and the Holy Spirit drew them there. And then they raised up a school that had about 1,200 students sent out missionaries around the world. And so Fire International came out of that.
0: And so you immersed yourself in the revival?
1: yes. For from 1998 till about 2000, and we didn't leave Pensacola till 2003.
0: Okay. And so, what did the Lord do, and how did how did that transport you into missions from being being a a, a finally fully surrendered man of God to yeah. being launched in missions? What
1: happened down there? So while well, we were at the revival, you know, we see people crying out to God every night hundreds of people running to the altar. I'd never seen anything like it. It wasn't about the speaker, the worship team. The presence of God was real and tangible, and it was supernatural. So that really challenged us besides the incredible mentoring, teaching, preaching that we were hearing and training and equipping we were getting. And eventually uh, I heard about missions there. And, you know, I just shared this story the other day, the day after I graduated, there was a man named Dwayne Jones who spoke at the church and he brought two pairs of shoes with him. And one of the shoes were the shoes that a a famous Assembly of God missionary named Mark Buntain was wearing the, the day that he died. He was a missionary in India, Calcutta, India. They call that the armpit of India. It was such a very difficult and challenging poorest of the poor and they had an he and his wife and the Dwayne Jones said these are the shoes that Mark was um, wearing the day that he died and then he had the other pair of shoes and they were the shoes of Scott who was killed in the Columbine High School massacre and they, he said they still had a little bit of blood on them, but Rachel's dad gave these shoes to Dwayne Jones and, and he knew he was going to share the gospel and share the story. And, and so, uh, you know, he, he has these shoes on the pulpit and he says, you know, God told me to bring these shoes here today because they're empty and he's looking for somebody to fill them. Wow. And as soon as I heard it, it was like an arrow stuck in my heart for missions. And I knew, Dob was kind of grooming us towards that while we were two and a half years at the school and all those things. But this struck to the heart. There was no doubt about it. It was our calling. And within a short time after that, that was December 2000. I I think it was January 2003 is when we moved with four other families to the Philippines.
0: Wow. How did you know Philippines was where you were to go?
1: Well, in the summer of two thousand, while I was still at school, there was um, a short-term missions trip that, you know, was was going for two weeks, and I mean to go, but I had no funds or anything like that, and I'm thinking, Lord, I've never done anything like this. What do you, you know, what yeah. do you do? And and he said, I want you to go. On this trip, made it clear. So I talked to Casey, what do you think? She said, Yeah, it's God. I believe you're supposed to go. And it was gonna cost two thousand two hundred dollars. Yeah. The guy I worked, you know, we go to different Walmarts and build bicycles and uh, garden equipment and things like that, furniture. They end up paying for my entire trip to go. Praise God, it was it was so amazing. Go on that trip for two weeks. We see the power of God come down. And when we come back to Pensacola, I felt nothing about moving to the Philippines, but yet I knew that it was missions. And it was probably several months after that, that the Lord spoke to us that the Philippines was the starting point.
0: Yeah. And so it was, I mean, I hear so many significant things and the things that you're sharing, like in, in Isaiah 6, we we see in Isaiah chapter five that that uh, Isaiah is saying woe is this woe is this woe is this about the people he lives with. But when he sees the Lord, he encounters the Lord. it's, yeah. woe, it's woe is me. And, oh yeah. And he has this encounter with God, and and God you know sends the angel to to touch his unclean lips with the coal from the altar, and and the fire from the altar, it changes his life. So he's like he's ready to be sent now. He's like you know, send me, and then. And then, too, I see the same thing from, like, Acts 13. They were ministering, you know, the guys, the prophets, the teachers, they were a small group gathered together just ministering to the Lord, ministering to the Lord, and then the Holy Spirit speaks, and and he, yeah. and he sends them. And I, I see that in, in you and Casey's lives. And, you know, it's, just, uh, it's so powerful, so powerful.
1: You know, you, you just shared Isaiah 6. You know, it's one of my favorite chapters. I think it should be for anybody who's a missionary. Uh, because really, Leonard Ravenhill uh, spoke a message many years ago. I'm sure people can find it on YouTube. It's called "Woe, Low, and Go." <laughs> well, wow. uh, and and it was just what you said. You know, he sees the Lord high and lifted up, which reveals his sinfulness, and then how he takes responsibility. The angel touches his lips with the coal, and then he repents. And, and it, was, it was this process to where eventually that's how he became willing to go. Yes. So, so to me, missionaries are not just a special breed of people that nobody else is like them, or we think of them as special forces. They're, they have their part, their role in the body. Yes. They're just people that respond in brokenness to the holiness of God and are changed by the glory of the Lord to where they can't not help, but talk about the things that they've seen and heard. Yeah. I, I, I so agree with what
0: you're saying. I, I feel like if every believer, if every believer experienced the presence of the Lord, well, like you described, yeah, I think it would be, uh, the response of every person, what, what, what Isaiah responded, how you and Casey responded, you know, how, I mean, one of the things that I think marks your ministry, and I, I'd share this with the listeners, is everywhere Eric goes, and when he preaches, when he prays, he and his family and, and his teams, is, is they bring the fire of God, they bring the presence of God, and people encounter Jesus in a deep, deep way through their ministry, and then th- they're able to multiply what's happened in them to happen to other people, and it's increasing the labors and the in the forces of God, and it's, it's it's like you said it's no special person, it's, it's right. It's, it's it's the power of God and the passion for God that that just takes over your life.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I just I'm so grateful for your witness and and your sharing, and so so you got to the Philippines. And over the last, what, you've been there 20 years or something?
1: So up until uh, 2020, we were there about 17, 18 years. Okay. And then the past two and a half years, we've been in the States just traveling and ministering because the Philippines been shut down. It, w- it made it difficult for us to go back. And so we're actually hoping to get back in December. But in all these years that we've lived there, we've just seen God do things. That's what I wanted uh, to
0: share. Share a little bit about what you've done or what God's done through your ministries and your teams that have been there.
1: Yeah. You know, when we got there, we, you have no, you think you know what you're doing until you (laughs) actually get there. And then we basically get into uh, the, you know, fly into the airport in Davao City. That's the city where we live. And I mean, it's 90 degrees. 100% 100% humidity, different <laughs> language, culture, people driving everywhere. We live in a city of 2 million people, and it's wild. It's It was totally different than what I was used to. And so the first six months, all we did, we didn't do any ministry as a team. I said we moved there with four other families. We all lived in one house together, six months to a year. And then the first six months, we we spent five days a week in prayer, two hours a day together, and we adapted. We started to learn some things about culture, language, and that laid the foundation. Because once we were finished, we we went out on the streets. We went to the poor. That's all we knew to do. We started evangelizing people, started seeing people come to Jesus. I end up preaching at these uh, weekly meetings where... Hundreds of people would come together in the city and, you know, we would just talk about revival and missions and people would get saved. People get filled with the Holy Ghost. People get delivered from, you know, demonic power. It was it was so amazing. And then, you know, we started going to the garbage dump.
0: I remember the ministry at the dump. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. They call it Smoky Mountain. (laughs) it's it's not like we know smoky mountains right um, burning trash oh trash! thousands of people living there what do you say to people that you grew up totally different than they did
0: yeah what do you
1: exactly and you know you don't just preach at people you actually sometimes you gotta you know prepare the soil to plant the seed amen and we started doing that serving the people loving the people watching their babies die in the garbage dump from smoke inhalation and and going through tough things and and struggles and eventually we started doing bible studies and you know we we had one at the top garbage dump area we we saw we preached to hundreds of people all the time eventually god moved in that place we ended up building a a church and uh, like a bamboo type structure. And yeah. then we homes, we had a school there and it was right outside the dump. So we told the people, we don't care if you have to work in the dump, cause that's why they're there to collect the metals, the plastics and sell yeah. it in town, make money. But we said, don't live in it. And so the Lord started moving on a lot of their hearts. It was pretty incredible. We saw a lot of people come to Jesus. Even people to this day who are working as missionaries who got saved out of the garbage dump and years later still walking with the Lord, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. doing phenomenal things. But yeah, there's been so much. We have a, a feeding program that we've had for 16 years. We feed 100 kids every week and we have a full time Filipino staff that leads that. And you're not just giving
0: them food; you're giving them love and the gospel too, right?
1: Oh man, yeah. We're we're so we look at the feeding program like a glove that God is using us as His hand to reach into, into the community. And yeah,
0: so you're getting into families, not just the children. That's so cool.
1: Exactly, and we've seen a lot of families coming to the Lord. Some of the kids have grown up going to our feeding program. And now they lead in the feeding program, you know, some of them are paid staff. It's really amazing. And, you know, we've just seen so many different facets of ministry. We have, we've planted churches. We, a lot to do with preaching and teaching. I've traveled all over the Philippines, over the island of Mindanao. You know, we've preached them on buses, and on airplanes, on ships, and <laughs> you yeah. name it, trains, anywhere, and just, we've seen people get filled with the Holy Ghost on buses, you know, <laughs> where there's captive audience, and <laughs> uh, amazing, it is. so yeah, so amazing, as of, amazing fruit, yeah, as of more recent, we have a called Fire School of Ministry, and it came out of, you know, the Pensacola school, Dr. Michael Brown's the founder. So and is it kind of like what you had when you were going to school
0: at Brownsville? Is it like yeah. replicating that?
1: Yeah. In some ways it was at first. And then we've kind of adjusted it culturally mm-hmm. um, to fit more of what the needs are in the Philippines. And, and so we've had that on for several years and have graduates who've gone, planted churches, started youth outreaches, gone to tribal ministries, worked with some of our missionaries, gone overseas. Uh it's it's just what God does.
0: It is. I, I it makes me think of the, another verse in Isaiah which talks about you know re rebuilding the ruins, re, you know, restoring the devastations and and yeah. you, you and your teams and what the Lord's doing through all of you guys. It's just uh, it's established a spiritual economy there that, that impacts so many lives. Um, and, and not just spiritually, but spiritual and economically. I mean, the, there's people growing and living and prospering because of the gospel in their lives,
1: right? Oh, yeah. You know, you just shared one of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 58:12. It says, those from among you shall rebuild the old waste places. You yeah. shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called a repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in. That's Amen. our job. You Amen. know, we're called in Second Corinthians five to be reconciled. And after we are, we are immediately becoming ministers of reconciliation.
0: Yes. And and so if, if we're not we and if we're not seeing that in our lives, then we gotta go back to the beginning, right? We gotta look true. at is there some area that we're not fully surrendered in, like kind of like you talked about in the beginning. Of your destiny. exactly, Praise God. Well,
1: what's next for you guys? Well, it's pretty amazing. I'm talking to you right now from Pensacola, Florida. You know, we're back in a place that really it began for us uh, yeah. when we left the mission field. And it's unique that the Lord will call us back here uh, for this week. We're sharing out a church and attending a conference called Light the Fire Again. And uh, my wife's parents still live here as well. So we're visiting. But in About two, two and a half weeks, uh, we'll be to go to Italy for three weeks. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Once ago, a brother in the Lord contacted me from Sicily. And I've been there a couple times myself to teach and minister there. And he said the Lord woke him up in the middle of the night and said that we were supposed to come there and preach and teach on revival to stir the church. So he invited us and we're going to Sicily for almost two weeks. Then we'll going up to Florence, Nathan. I know it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And then,
0: and then you, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you're hoping to, you're targeting going back to the Philippines in December.
1: Yeah. So we'll be coming back from Italy, traveling a little bit more on the East coast. Uh, and then we're hoping probably the second, third week of December to go back to the Philippines. A lot of the restrictions have been lifted and, you know find a place get settled and uh, kick up the fire school ministry again as that's been on hold for uh you know last couple years because, because of, of covid virus. restrictions yeah. right and uh yeah the get back and you know start uh, leading Jesus again equipping them and sending them out that's what it's all about amen amen and one
0: other question i i, I mentioned earlier i think that you have 5 kids and another thing that I see in your ministry and your family is all of your kids are on fire for Jesus, too. You know, <laughs> how, how as parents, how have you facilitated that? I mean, is it just the fact yeah. that they see you and Casey living that life and they know that that's real sure. life? How is that? You know,
1: you know it's, it's interesting that, of course, that's part of it. I would say one of the most important things beyond the things that we know that parents are responsible to do and assuming people are walking with God and intimacy and it's real at home, you know, uh, one thing that I've always valued, and I just wrote my first called uh, Hearing God Through His Creation. It's a 30-day devotional. People can actually find it on Amazon or our website, uh, which is uh, revivalcry.org, but the reason why I wrote that was not to sell books was to encourage people to hear the voice of God, because so I find if, if like with our kids raising, we, lo- we have to lovingly correct them. But our ultimate goal is for them to learn the voice of their heavenly father Yes, and know that they were created in his image. And I find that, uh, we found that as our kids learn to hear from God, they were able to walk with him and cultivate that intimacy, be challenged in their life beyond what their parents say and develop their own relationship with God outside of their relationship with God through us. Yes. And eventually they started hearing God on their own. And so much so that, you know, we we've homeschooled all our kids and, 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 my my wife is primarily deals with the homeschooling side, but and I'll she's tell you, she's written a book too, right? She's written the she book. just wrote one, yeah. It's it's about um, helping people to understand homeschooling mm-hmm. and and then making that transition from high school to college. because with our homeschooling and uniqueness of our eldest daughter, for example, Sierra, uh, she felt God called her, spoke to her. Uh, to go to Regent University several years back. And we thought that's the most expensive college out of all the three or four, <laughs> And we knew we, she was supposed to go to college, but we're like, Lord, you know, here we are, we're missionaries. How are we going to do that? And she ends up getting a scholarship because she w- became a, it wasn't anything that she did really growing up, but started to get involved with before she went to college, enjoyed it for exercise told the coach about some of the races she entered when she visited Regent and the coach and the athletic director felt it was God's will for them to offer her a full scholarship.
0: Hallelujah.
1: And, and that was $100,000. I mean, wow. that that was basically covering the cost of the four years of school. She ran, she she made it to nationals yeah. and I, it's just crazy story, but I share that not just to impress people, to say, but to say my daughter, her when she was younger and at 14 she she developed a burden for japan and now since she's gone through regent just graduated in may she's got her she's a teacher now teaching a little bit at a christian school but she just got accepted uh to be a missionary with fire international and she'll be moving to japan april of next year
0: generation after generation praise god
1: it's Thanks just God. amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so awesome. He, it's so awesome. I'm so grateful. <laughs> so grateful. And uh, we'll be praying for Sierra as well. And then, and then Abby sees. You uh, see, in Florida.
1: So Abby is going to southeastern, and she is uh, with a full scholarship as well. Uh, oh, just really amazing, and she really is going for social work but yeah. God's really ordaining her steps as well She's second year now just started. Um, but again, these girls have heard from God. You know, yeah. our, our, our third eldest, Jonathan, who's 17 is feeling led to go into engineering, but he wants to do something with missions. And so we're going to be visiting schools and trusting the Lord, you know, not saying all of them got to go to college, but just, it seems like this is something that the Lord is doing with our kids, because, you know, we want our ceiling to become our kids floor. Yes. And, you know, we want them to go farther and, and, and take what we teach them and model and beyond. And it doesn't mean it always has to be bigger, or that it always has to be, uh, you know, something more spectacular, but it means that, if we set the, the, the standard high, I believe our kids will just be led of the Holy Ghost who will always that, lead them into excellence.
0: Yeah, that's the key. I mean, the fact that of what you talked about before about teaching your children to hear the voice of God. And once they once they've got that, they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're walking in their own relationship with him. I mean, you're just send you're just sending them, you know?
1: Yeah, Exactly. And, uh,
0: Praise praise God. I, I I feel like that's a link through the whole podcast is the idea of hearing hearing God, responding to God, being sent by him. And yeah. Uh, and then he takes care of, of all the needs. So praise Absolutely. God. How sure I think does. you mentioned you mentioned it a little bit, but mention again how could listeners get connected with you or your podcast or your books? You know, just say it again for people.
1: Yeah, sure. So our website is www.revivalcry.org. Revivalcry.org. They can email us at info info@revivalcry.org at and feel free to go to our website, check out what we're doing, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. We have a YouTube channel And I do a podcast every week uh, that's actually, we started September last year. It's gone into about 120 nations and been a God thing that he's done not knowing we'd ever be back in the States again. But yet through that, we started this and we do shortwave radio that goes into all of Eastern Asia. And it's all under the banner Revival Cry. So if you just Google that, uh, Google Revival Cry Eric Miller. Uh, you'll be able to find us and connect with us, and we would love to, you know, find out more. We send out a monthly newsletter, so if they go to our website, they can also sign up for that uh, on on the page. You know, when they uh, when it loads on their computer or phone.
0: Yeah, I know. One other thing is as we draw our interview to a close, but one other thing is that's been on my heart for for quite some time is uh, at least here in in the US I I don't hear many churches sending people into missions I don't I don't yeah. I don't hear I don't hear of pastors making the cry or making the plea for missionaries for laborers I mean people might be praying for it but I don't hear it from the pulpit the call or the cry for it and um what, what are your thoughts about that? And and, and how we've kind of talked about it a little bit as the podcast has gone on today, but um, how do we help cultivate believers who care about the lost, the unreached? The, I mean, there's the nations near and far. Uh, yeah. How do, we, how do we cultivate that?
1: You know, I think in 2020 with COVID, it was a time when a, a line was drawn in the sand And to be a Christian actually means something more now than what it did before. Mm -hmm. You know, you could get by with as a believer, but I believe God wants us to see ourselves as disciples. And so we have to, we have to do the Isaiah six thing. we got to magnify the name of Jesus, not hold back, not be intimidated, you know, and, and, and lead people encounters with God. You know, there's, it's one thing to have head knowledge about God. It's another thing to experience him in your heart. And I'm not just talking about feelings and emotions, although I think it's a part of it, that's how it yeah. he created us. But you know, a lot of people want an intellectual understanding about who God is. And the fact is you can't get any, have any more of a reality of who God is than by creation alone. You, yeah. you know, we, we should look around us and go, there's no doubt that there's a God. It's there's evidence perfect. everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it we're ninety million miles from the sun, any closer or farther, we'd die. Right. We'd freeze or burn up. And and you know, there's we, we have air on this earth. You know, we have we have food that grows. We we have unique personalities, you know, to believe we came, you know, from animals or Algae of some sort and a big bang. It takes more faith to believe that. We gotta preach actions. the truth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To preach in the truth, unashamed, and stand up for Jesus. And in, in some ways, the church needs to grow a backbone. Yes. yes. You know, I think a little persecution is, is good for us. I'm not asking for it, but I am saying, Lord, we want revival, we want awakening. And at whatever cost that I was takes, gonna say at any cost let's do it. Yeah.
0: Amen. And and back to that same thing, like with your children, somehow we need to bring everybody to that place where they're able to hear the voice of God for themselves. It's absolutely it's not just dependent upon a pastor, it's not just dependent upon yeah. a a a great, you know, charismatic person. It's exactly it's it's got I mean, you hear like if a pastor falls and the church goes through great trauma and people people leave the faith because they were basing their walk upon a person and not the person of Jesus Christ. And exactly.
1: uh, And you know what, Cheryl, I'll tell you this. How do we know if God's speaking to us? Go to his word. Yeah, that's the the Bible, the word of God. He's never going to go outside of that. Yes. And we can, we can say, is this the word of God? And we can wrestle with these things. Look, yeah. there's some things that, that, you know, are hard to explain and we learn as we mature. But the fact of the matter is, he's the word that became flesh. Yeah. And the more that we spend time in his word, in prayer, to being teachable and learning, we're going to grow.
0: Yeah, he's gonna make that word become flesh in us.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well Absolutely. praise God. And I, I wonder as we close, if if you could just say a prayer for for believers who are listening to this podcast and they're they're feeling their hearts burning, but but they don't know what
1: to do next. If you just pray for those. Absolutely. Well, Father, you know, we know that on the road to two men that were walking, and Jesus, you suddenly appeared, and they didn't even recognize who you were, and you started to just ask them questions, you know, uh, about what happened during the day, and they were acting so surprised. You knew, but you wanted to reveal yourself to them, and then when you revealed yourself to them, and then you disappeared from their sight, They turned to each other and said, we're not our hearts burning within us. As we walked along the path and on the road to Emmaus, and we talked about the law, the prophets, God, in Jesus' name, as people are listening today, I pray that their burning hearts would turn into a deep hunger and thirst for more of you, Lord. And God, that you would reveal yourself no matter where they're at or what they're going through in life. Maybe they're struggling with sickness. Maybe they're with tremendous financial burden. Maybe their kids are far away from you. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but you do. And we ask in the name of Jesus that that they would cry out to you. You said, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Amen. Lord, I pray that we would ask, seek, we find you and never give up because we know that you are faithful and when we find you you said you'll never forsake us and we give you thanks in jesus name in
0: jesus name father we thank you lord that if we'll draw near to you you will draw near to us and lord we know we've experienced it lord that your presence changes everything everything and brings us into life. So we praise you, Lord. And Eric and Casey and all your family, all your teams, we bless you in the name of Jesus. And we're going to be watching for what God's doing next and looking for ways that we can participate with you and what the Lord has. And uh, thank you so much for your time today, for your passion and your serving the Lord. We're just so grateful. Thank you, you so bet, much. You bet, Cheryl. And I God will, bless you guys. Yeah, one more thing. I, for the listeners, I will put all of the the contacts for Eric that, that I have available, things he shared today in the interview. I'll put them in the show notes, and uh, you'll be able to connect that way too. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Gaining Strength podcast today. It is my prayer that you have been encouraged and edified by this message. And may the Holy Spirit continue to strengthen you as he builds us up into the body of Christ. If you would like to share a prayer request or a concern, I can be reached at the following email address, gainingstrengthpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Cheryl Truitt, your host for the Gaining Strength Podcast. And may you be strengthened as you walk in love, truth, and faith. Thank you.